Good morning. A warm and hearty welcome to the house of the Lord. We thank all that have come to fellowship and bring honor and glory to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We welcome all who will join us via the broadcast later this week. We trust that you will experience God. Uh, we trust that you will experience the presence of the Holy Spirit as we sing, as we read scriptures, as we share with one another, and as we hear God's messenger expound God's word. Today is the third Sunday of Lent, and for an opening scripture, let's turn to the book of John, the 18th chapter, beginning with verse 4. And the Bible heading reads, The Betrayal and Arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he had said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. In this passage, Jesus had some very interesting words, even to the ones who wanted to capture him. Though Jesus knew, knew what would come upon him in a series of events, he went ahead, forward with a task assigned to him. When Jesus announced himself, his betrayers drew back and fell to the ground in recognition of Jesus' significant power and authority, even though he surrendered to his captors. Finally, he says believers are eternally secure, not in their own strength, but because of the gracious and constant protection of Jesus, the Savior. Let's pray. O Lord, what a God we serve. Jesus, the Son of Almighty God, putting on carnal human form, sinless and perfect, yet willing to die for the sin debt of mankind of the whole world. And blot out our transgression. We recognize why there were sweat drops of blood at Gethsemane, yet your love for us was so great that you were willing to die the vile death of the cross at Calvary to redeem us and guarantee us a mansion in glory to all who believe. You alone have unlocked the doors to the kingdom of heaven and given believers access. We thank you for imparting grace and mercy instead of the judgment and condemnation which we deserved. Lord God, Jehovah, we bring you our worship, our praise, glory, and thanksgiving, and thank you for being our God and the God of our salvation. Amen. Good morning. We ask that you stand with us and we'll sing together. Sing to the Lord with all of your hearts. Sing to the Lord with all of your heart. Sing of the glory that's due to his name. Sing to the Lord with all of your soul. Join all the 
sing the songs that awaken the dawn. God of creation, we praise you. Sing to the Lord with all of your mind, with understanding, give thanks to the King. Sing to the Lord with all of your strength, living our lives as a praise offering. You are the Lord, the Savior of all, God of creation, we praise you. We sing the songs that awaken the dawn, God of creation, we praise you. Sing to the Lord, our voices we raise. Jesus is risen, to God be our praise. Sing to the Lord with power and might. Our Lord in splendor has conquered our night. You are the Lord, the Savior of all. God of creation, we praise you. We sing the songs that awaken the dawn. God of creation, we praise you. You are the Lord, the Savior of all. God of creation, we praise you. We sing the songs that awaken the dawn. God of creation, we praise you. You may be seated and we'll continue singing, Come, Now is the Time to Worship. Surrender our lives, willingly our knees will bow. 
Katie and I were invited to speak to you a little bit about the, about the ministry that we started a few years ago. It's called Gospel Equipment Ministries, 
And the, the mission of it, the goal of it, is to make available the good and evil comic book action Bible available free to prisoners in Canada. Stephanie, do you have a first slide to put up? No, sorry. It looks like this. It is 330 pages of a comic book. In comic book format, just like the American Spider-Man and so on. And what it does is it gives an overview of the Bible. It starts with creation and sin, and it goes through the flood story, through the Exodus story, uh, through some of the prophets and their adventures. And then Jesus comes into the picture, and it talks about his ministry and the miracles he did. And then he dies. And then he's resurrected. Sorry, that song was a good song. And after he's resurrected, it talks about the judgment and about the implications that we will all face. And um, it presents a gospel message to these men and to these women and to these youth in these facilities. And the facilities that this goes out to are federal prisons, to provincial remand centers, to women's centers, and to youth centers. And um, being in a comic book, it is an easy-to-read format, and literacy is not a strong point of many people in, in prison. And um, what I love about it also is that each page has little references. It has references at the bottom of the page to the Bible story. So these guys can look in the Bible and read the story as it is. And um, each copy is a missionary that is operating in prison 24 hours a day, seven days a week, day or night. These guys can read it. And if they don't like it, they pass it on to their friends. And if they love it, they pass it on to their friends. These books get read until they're ragged and unreadable. And they're also available for free online. The ministry that wrote and distributes these books has made it all free online and in over 50 languages, which are available all over the world. Last year, over 8 million individual different people read this online, and people are coming to the Lord in Arab-speaking countries, sorry, Arabic-speaking countries, and in Asian countries, and places where the gospel is not allowed in, but they are reading the gospel message. So on the practical side of things, um, what we do is just contact a facility. When we first started, I got on the internet. It's a wonderful tool, and I looked up um, prisons in each province, and I made myself a directory. So I called the prison, and I asked for the chaplain or programs director, and... um, then I just let them know that we have this book available. And we send one copy to the chaplain so he can review the book. And if it's something that he thinks they can use, he'll call us back or send an email and let us know he'd like more books. And um, right now we have uh, regular shipments that go out for, I think, eight or ten cases per month. And one case is 26 books. We have two facilities that are two of the largest in Canada getting three cases each per month, and one of those has told us we will take as much as you can send because each of these facilities has a few thousand guys. Um, So it's pretty exciting, and the demand is growing very quickly. When we started just 
five or six years ago, we were sending out a book here and there. And um, a year or two ago, we prayed and asked the Lord, is this something you want us to keep doing? And the answer was yes. So I kept calling new facilities and demand is increasing. And now we have had phone calls from chaplains that we have not contacted, but they've heard of the book through the inmates in the prison. So they have to they have to hunt for our contact information and find out where to get these comic book action Bibles. For example, we sent out an introductory package, one copy a few months ago, and the chaplain reviewed it and he calls back and he says, This will work. And that encourages us encourages us a lot. We recently sent out a few cases, and one facility wrote back promptly. And the chaplain said, thank you for this resources. resource. It is a huge success already. Please pass on my appreciation to those who have given to make this available to our prison. About a month ago, we received a letter from a chaplain, and he had about a dozen inmates sign a note of thanks to us. And when you have all these guys saying thank you, you start thinking, this is good, let's keep on doing it. So the books cost about $10 each, which includes purchasing them and then shipping them on to the, uh, to the facilities through the postal system. And to raise money, we are holding a fundraising drive through supper this coming Friday on April 1st. From 5 to 7, we'll be serving sausage and pierogies, something which we're looking forward to serving and eating. We were looking for volunteers We are no longer looking for volunteers because we have enough. And we thank you for helping us out. Yes, thank you. There is no way we can do this without help. So we are quite humbled that we have 35 people coming to help us at least. And um, it's it's a big project, but we are thoroughly enjoying it. And when we sing a song like we just sang... We are overjoyed that we can bring that gospel message to people who haven't heard it and who are receiving it with joy. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mark Katie, for that report. Exciting work. If you would take your bulletins and we'll look at the concerns and activities of the church. Uh, next week, our regular activities on the worship service, uh, men's, ladies' Sunday school, as well as special Sunday school. And during the week, women's prayer group meets on Tuesday mornings, and the uh, Bible study on Revelation meets Wednesday at 2. Missionaries of the week are Preston and Myra. A note of thanks. Uh, thank you to Terrence and Esther Ann Clausen for representing our church on the Mennonite Collegiate Board. Your dedication and diligence on the board was greatly appreciated. Planning for the future, at our special membership meeting on March 7th, 2022, information gleaned from the Leading with a Vision seminar was shared. Opportunity was given for discussion and questions. Whether you were in attendance or not, you may have additional questions, comments, which you would like to share regarding the future direction of WBMC. There is a box in the foyer where you can submit your questions and comments. 
These will take in, be taken into consideration together with the discussion at the Monday, April 25th membership meeting. Sponsorship of a refugee family. Below is a motion put forward by the Missions Committee. A vote will be held uh, at the end of our service today, and uh, we will deal with that at the time. The large print daily devotionals from Daily Bread are in the foyer. Gideon's World Share Global are giving an opportunity to place Bibles in memory of loved ones through the through Memorial Bible Plan. Representatives will be in the foyer on Sunday, April 3rd and 10th to accept donations. Uh, persons with uh, health needs, remember Dorothy Giesbrecht in the Boundary Trails Health Center. Winker Bible Camp is uh, looking for staff. Take a look at that uh, uh, announcement. And then here is again the one that uh, Mark and Katie were talking about. They're running a drive-through supper, fundraiser supper on Friday, April 1st at our church. Uh, funds will be going to supplying Canadian prisons with a comic book action Bible, as they had mentioned, good and evil. So see the poster for uh, other details. And on Wednesday, April 6th at 7 p.m., Pemina Counseling Center will be hosting their virtual spring fundraiser. Uh, details are available on their web- website. Those are the announcements, so let us uh, go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of grace with thanksgiving and praise. We thank you for preparing the way of salvation and for sending Jesus, the sinless and perfect Lamb of God, the only one found who could pardon us from our sin. This Easter season, we direct our thoughts toward you and your love for us, and remember Jesus paying the redemptive price and his atoning blood at Calvary. Lord, we have erred and sinned. Forgive us. Help us to overcome temptation and deliver us from evil. Lord, you have created and designed us to serve. Help us to be obedient to your call on our lives and fulfill that purpose as we walk in fellowship and communion with you. Lord, we have already paid the sin, Lord, you have already paid the sin debt of all mankind, but so many have refused this gift or have not heard. We pray for these lost souls and that the light of Jesus would radiate into the spiritual darkness and that the light would pierce, penetrate, and illumine these souls and bring revival. We pray that today would be the day of their salvation. We pray for our missionaries, especially Preston and Meyer Wheeler and their family. Give them all boldness, courage, perseverance, and strength to fulfill the purpose and calling that you have placed on their lives and make them a blessing. Be with us as a body of believers as we plan into the future. Lord, help us to take the steps of faith needed to fulfill the needs of this body and help us to obey the promptings that your Holy Spirit has placed on the life of this church. Dear God, we pray that your hand of healing would touch Dorothy Giesbrecht in Boundary Trails Health Center and bring restoration. We pray for healing for others that are sick and those convalescing at home. We pray that you would comfort those that are grieving. Lord, be the encouragement and uplift the spirit of the lonely, the shut-in, as well as the members residing in Salem and other personal care homes. Lord, we pray for our governments, our leaders, our justice system, our judges, and those in authority over us. We pray for their salvation 
and that they would govern and rule in a way that would bring blessing on our nation. We pray for our pastors and their families and our church leaders that you would guide and protect them and direct them to carry out your plan and your vision. Lord, we pray that you would uphold, sustain, and meet the various needs of organizations like the Gideons, Winkler Bible Camp, Pemina Counseling Service, and others with that we support. And we pray for good support and turnout for the fundraiser that Mark and Katie Elias have planned for Friday night to raise funds to supply Canadian prisons with a comic book, Action Bible, Good and Evil. We thank you for the gifts, tithes, and offerings that flow from your hand. Continue to bless them, bless those that give, and multiply the gifts. We thank you for all the participants serving in this morning's worship service and their willingness to serve. Bless each one for their service. Now anoint your servant, Pastor Dean, as he preaches on the topic, How to Possess the True Faith. May our spiritual eyes be open to this true faith, for we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Then we'll ask the ushers to come forward. Lord, again, we come before you and we thank you for uh, meeting our daily needs. And we thank you for the generous provision that you provide for us, that you uh, provide us employment and the ability uh, to uh, to earn money, and uh, we now ask, uh, give a, back our portion that uh, you have provided to us, and we ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. Today's scripture reading will be taken out of the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. The heading is Faith and Deeds. That's James, chapter 2, starting at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by by what I do. You believe that there is a God, good. Even the demons believe that, and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rabbah the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Thus far the reading. It's always exciting to see people coming back to church. Exciting to see them interact with one another. I love to see people smiling. I love to see people um, worshiping the Lord together. And as we come together, we are one body, knit together by the Holy Spirit and by the work that he has done in our hearts. And it's exciting to see people worshiping the Lord together this morning. Perhaps you will remember the story many years ago of what happened to an Amish colony in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. According to Wikipedia, and I quote, On October the 2nd, 2006, a shooting occurrence at the West Nickel Mine School, an Amish one-room schoolhouse in the Old Order Amish community of Nickel Mines, a village in Barttown, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, Gunman Charles Carl Roberts the fourth took a hostage, took hostages of and shot ten girls ages six through thirteen, killing five before dying by school by dying by suicide in the schoolhouse. The gunman identified as Charles Roberts, as already said, age thirty-two, was a milk tank driver, milk tank truck driver who served several Amish farms in the Nickel Mines area, including one of of the victim's family. He had three children and a wife for whom he left separate suicide notes. 
On the day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls was heard warning some young relatives not to hate the killer, saying, we must not think evil of this man. Another Amish father noted, he had a mother and a wife and a soul, and now he stands before a just God. Jack Meyer, a member of the Brethren community living near the Amish in Lancaster County, explained, I don't think there's anybody here that wants to do anything but forgive and not only reach out to those who have suffered a loss in that way, but to reach out to the family of the man who committed these acts. A Roberts family spokesman said, an Amish neighbor comforted the Roberts family hours after the shooting and extended forgiveness to them. Amish community members visited the co- and comforted the Roberts wid- widows, parents and parents-in-law. One Amish man held Robert's sobbing father in his arms reportedly as long as an hour to comfort him. The Amish also set up a charitable fund for the family of the shooter. About 30 members of the Amish community attended Robert's funeral, and Marie Roberts, the widow of the killer, was one of the few outsiders invited to the funeral of one of the victims. Marie Roberts wrote an open letter to her Amish neighbors, thanking them for their forgiveness, their grace, and their mercy. She wrote, Your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately needed. Gifts you've given have touched our hearts in a way no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. Close quote. This is a story not only about forgiveness, but it's about living a life of obedience and faith, which these Amish believers demonstrated through their actions. They were able to forgive because God had forgiven them. They were able to forgive because they had a genuine faith that rested upon God and what God has done in their lives. Thus their faith, follow, thus their faith followed through with works of righteousness, and that's what they did in spite of the tragedy that happened to them. Once again, here are the five things these Amish believers did that demonstrated their faith in the Lord. Let me just recap. First, the grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls warned some young relatives not to hate the killer. Second, they comforted the Roberts family hours after shooting and extended their forgiveness. Third, these believers set up a charitable fund for the shooter's family. Fourth, 30 members of the Amish community attended Robert's funeral, giving them their support. And finally, Marie Roberts, the widow of the killer, was one of the few outsiders invited to the funerals of one of the victims. These believers' actions demonstrated their faith in God. 
Their faith was genuine. It was built on the rock. It was built on Christ. As we continue our study in the book of James entitled Encouragement for the Race in Life, I've entitled this morning's message, How to Possess True Faith. How to Possess True Faith. Bow your hearts in prayer with me this morning. Our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, as we come before you, we realize that you have called us as believers to shine the light to others. And it is through our actions, the same way that these Amish people forgave the shooter and for the horrible consequences that they faced, and yet they turned towards you and they reflected your love to this family. I pray you would help us understand what true faith is. It's more than just believing. It is acting and showing the world why we believe what we believe, because you live within our hearts. I pray now, Lord, that you would speak clearly once again through your word, and that you would touch us so that we can minister in the same way through our faith with actions. For this we pray and ask. Amen. How to possess true faith is the question. How do we know that our faith is really true? Number one, by checking if our faith is in word only. By checking if our faith is in word only. Sometimes we can only say things, but it doesn't carry out in our actions. James, the brother of our Lord, says in verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? And the question here is about salvation. It's about saving faith. What is our saving faith? Here James is asking a question that there is that there is only one logical answer and that answer is no. Can safe like that can faith like that save a person with no actions or no deeds? The answer is no. If a person has no deeds, works or acts of demonstration or demonstrate their faith, the faith cannot save them or anyone else. It is an empty faith. It is a dead faith. It is a false faith. Jesus gave a a stern warming in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23 to those who claimed to be followers but who really were not. Verse 21 of Matthew chapter 21, or Matthew chapter 7 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. And that word in the Greek, evildoer, is lawless one. They've never been accountable. They never were held to account for anything. They did their own thing in their own way. They never knew the Lord. 
Here is what we learn from these three verses. First, only those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. Second, these individuals who perform miracles were self-deceived because they could do miracles, but they did not have a relationship with Jesus. They did not have a relationship with Jesus. They did not know him, and Jesus did not know them. Thus, the miracles they did only demonstrated that Jesus honored his name and not because these people were believers. It's possible for people to pray for others and not be a believer and Jesus simply to honor his name because there is power in his name. To have genuine faith, one must know the Lord and do his will. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And in John fifteen fourteen, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus continues in verse 15 and 17 of chapter 2 in James by using an illustration to demonstrate that faith without works is dead. Faith that has no actions is useless. Verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you say to him, go and I Uh, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, is dead. Notice, this is the second time that James states that faith without any deeds or actions is dead. It is fruitless. It doesn't, make, it doesn't do anything. James paints a picture of a brother or sister without clothes and daily food. It's not that they just have not the right clothes. It's not that they just don't have clo- food for maybe a week or a month or two. They don't have clothes for today and they don't have food for today. Then a person comes up to them with dead faith, and they know the correct vocabulary, but their actions do not line up with their talk. These folks quickly wish these people well and to be kept um, warm and well-fed. They simply wish them with no action and nothing to help the people or the brothers and sisters who are in need. James says, what good is it if we only wish people well, but do nothing about their physical needs? Thus faith by itself is dead, and one cannot, and it cannot save a person. Actions or deeds always accompany true faith. Actions and deeds always accompany true faith. It's when we hear the word. It's when the word lives within us. We have to go. I'm not saying that this happens every time within our lives, but something works within our hearts, and that is the Holy Spirit. And when we 
possess him, then our faith becomes alive as we go in obedience and do what Christ has called us to do. The other day, I received notification that there is about 60 families from Ukraine who will be arriving in Canada starting March the 28th. That's next Friday that some of them begin to come. I have a letter here that I want to show. Just receive this. And I want to just point out the need that is going to happen. We know what's happening in the Ukraine. The war that is taking place. People's hearts that are being ripped out of them because loved ones are dying and ones are being separate. And this is a letter that that I just want to share a little bit about that we can participate and then we can do our part, whatever the part is that the Lord is calling you to do. Dear friends, 1613 Ministry has paired up with regional connections to help support the refugees that are on their way from the Ukraine. 1613 Ministry has started a refugee settlement fund because there are about 60 families that will be arriving in Winkler starting March the 28th. Due to the war that they have to leave, um, they have to leave everything behind. The government of Canada is allowing quick entry with a three-year term. Many of these families had to leave their husbands behind and only the wife and kids were allowed to leave. They have no government funding for these families, but the government has allowed them to have work visas. We are asking the communities, the churches, and the businesses to help these families in needs. If you would like to support by helping these refugees, here are some things how you can help personally. Number one, you can be praying for these people and continue to pray for what is happening in in Ukraine today. We can end up giving food when the people come. We can give clothing to the people and a place for them to stay and funds that they would need. Now, we can't do everything. We know that. But we can do what God is calling. And there'll be more information that will be happening within the next um, month that is coming. And I ask you to pray and see how our actions can reflect the love of Christ. And remember, this is an opportunity, an opportunity for us to build relationships with people, to minister to them, and also that if they don't know the Lord, to share the gospel, the living life with these people. So we can see that the first step to understanding how to possess true faith is by checking if our faith is in word only. Is our faith only in word or is it accompanied by our actions? The second step to understanding how to, pers- how to possess true faith is, number two, by seeing if our faith is grounded on the right subject or the right object. 
by seeing if our faith is grounded on the right subject or the right object, verses 18 and 19. It is possible to have faith and great faith, but if it's focused on the wrong place, it doesn't matter. Verse 18 says, but if someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. James brings two illustrations to his defense to to his defense that faith without works or action is dead. The first one is an imaginary person who agrees with the importance of faith and knee and deeds. However, these two requirements are divided between two people. He will say, "Well, I have faith, you have um Uh, the actions, well, let's just get together. James says this is not possible. This is how we would like to live because it would give us an excuse for not living out our faith. James simply points out that this is not an option for the believer because faith requires daily living out of one's faith in action. According to James, one's faith can only be seen in deeds. How can we see faith? Can we see faith? I can't see faith in somebody else. Nobody can see faith in me. But it is lived out in our actions. The same way in the Amish community. People who looked around the world and saw what happened, they had to say there's something different about that those people, because people don't usually do that when somebody comes in and kills their loved ones. They want revenge. They want to take it out. They want to get even. But their faith changed what, how people thought because they reflected Christ in what they did. James simply points out that this is not an option for the believer. According to James, one faith can only be seen in deeds. Then James moves on to the second illustration found in verse 19. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Believing and placing one's faith in Jesus Christ alone is enough for salvation. It is to believe and place our faith. It is sufficient. However, anyone can say they believe, but that does not prove that they have a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't for many people claim to know Christ, but don't. On the contrary, the actions of a person's life produce fruit that demonstrate that they are a follower of Christ. Now James uses some shock therapy in his theological argument when he brings demons into the picture. Demons believe many very orthodox things, but that does not prove anything. Here are some of the things that demons believe. 
First, they believe that there is one God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The demons believe God is one. But they do not love him, and they do not obey, only when they are forced to obey and when they are sent away from Christ. Second, they believe in the existence of God. There are no demons that are atheists or agnostics. Third, they believe in the deity of Christ because they were in heaven before they rebelled and they were cast out. They know who Jesus Christ is, but they live apart from him and they love him not. Fourth, demons believe in a place of torment in Luke chapter 8.31. And in other places in the scriptures when they were going to be cast out of a person, they pleaded with Christ that they would not be cast out or put in a time of torment before they, their time was allotted to them. Demons believe many other things the same way a Christian believes, but demons do not possess true faith. This is called a demonic faith because demons believe, but they do not love or serve God. The person who claims to have faith but no works or action also has a demonic believing faith. It's not that they believe in the demons, but they believe as the demons do. They say they believe, but they do not have a changed and a surrendered heart. So we can see from the first step to understanding how to possess True faith is first by checking if our faith is in word only. Second, by seeing if our faith is grounded on the right subject. And finally, number three, by living our faith out in obedience and action. Verses 20 through 26. By living our faith out in obedience and action. When we live our faith out in obedience. This is known as an act of faith because this faith has power resulting in a changed life. This act of faith is built upon the word of God, which James has described in chapter 1 of James, of the book of James. Chapter 1, verse 18. It says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, through the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of all all he created. And James goes on in verse 21 and 22 of chapter 1. He says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word 
planted in you, which can save you. Yes, the word that is planted in us can save us. And then in verse 22, he says, do not be merely, or do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. We can be deceived simply because we listen and think that listening is all what it takes and we don't have to do anything else. We can just rest and take take our life easy until Christ returns and that is not so. Active and obedient faith is what changes a life and gives power because it is based on the word of God. There is no power apart from God's word. Faith is only as good as what one believes in. Faith is only as good as what one believes in. A person can have great faith in their car that it can get them to another city. But if there is no motor in that car, it doesn't matter how much you faith you have in that car, it cannot get you anywhere. So likewise, one can have the most sincere faith in the world. But if, but it will not do anything if it's based on a faulty object. The believer's faith is based where? On the word of God, which is God himself. The word of God is God himself. The gospel of John, John chapter 1 states, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God And the word was with God, and the word was God. In verse 14 of the same chapter, it says this, The word became flesh and dwelt and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And how did we see the glory of Jesus Christ? It's in the scriptures. It was in the miracles that he did. It was in the life that he lived. He reflected his Father in everything. When Jesus was asked by Thomas, show us the Father, what did Thomas say to to, um what did Jesus say to Thomas? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And the works that the Father does, Jesus does those works. For the believer, saving faith always leads to obedience and action. James uses Abraham and Rahab as illustrations to bring about this concept across because these people were drastically different, Abraham and Rahab. And yet they both found salvation the same way. Totally different on opposite fears. They both needed a savior. They both found salvation the same way. Abraham was a Hebrew, and Rahab was a despised Gentile. 
Abraham was a good living person, and Rahab was a prostitute. Aham was, Abraham was a friend of God, and Rahab was an enemy of God. However, there were some things Abraham and Rahab had in common. Both found their way into the ancestral line of Christ. Both were sinners. Both were headed to hell. Both exercised saving faith in God. For many exercising faith, for many exercising faith is a complex, complex concept to understand. On the one hand, scriptures point out that we are saved by grace and faith alone. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 tells us this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Sounds contradicting, doesn't it? On the other hand, James says in chapter 2, verse 8, Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Then he points out in the following verses how both Abraham and Rahab exercised saving faith. God told Abraham to go and offer his son Isaac on the altar. A matter of fact, God, Abraham went to carry out the request, but he didn't even get to carry it out because God stopped him. But it was his faith in God that he was willing to do whatever God said because he had placed his God, his faith, fully in God. It was established, and he would do anything that God would tell him. And God said, no, you don't have to do this. Now I know that your faith is in me. Abraham's faith and actions were working together. Thus Abraham believed God. And the scripture says in James chapter 2, verse 23, and it was credited to him as righteousness He had faith and he believed. In the same way Rahab exercised saving faith when she gave lodging to the spies and then sent them off in another direction. Joshua chapter 2 verse 8 and forward tells us the story of Rahab and how she came to believe in the God of the Hebrews. And she said to the spies after, I saw and we all saw what God did when God brought you out of the land of Egypt and how he bore you up and how he carried you all the way, and the miracles that were performed, and the people that you defeated, and how everyone in the land, their hearts melted before you because God was with you. She had already seen what God did and who God was. And at that time, she said to these spies, I asked for her 
to spare her and her family, and she said, I will send you away um, doing this, and she did not report them. You see, her faith was in the God of the Hebrews. Her faith was in the God of the spies who came that day to her house. She believed in the God, and it was reckoned to her as salvation. James concludes with these words in verse 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Our deeds display the faith that is in our hearts. Our deeds show us if God is working, and others see in our deeds if Christ lives within us and we become his representatives as we live our lives out in faith by the things we do and the things we say. Please join us as we end this service with Cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less.
rest in His righteousness alone. All faultless stand before the throne. Christ Stand with me for the closing benediction. Jude says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you that we've been such a privileged people to hear your word, that you exposed to this congregation over 125 years ago. And to this day, you have kept this church, and you will also go before us. We pray, Lord, that we will be able to live our our faith out in action and in deed because Jesus resides within our hearts. Now I pray, Lord, that you will be glorified and honored through our lives this week. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.